0: Good morning and good afternoon. Welcome to another episode of Before Coffee. It's France edition here from Paris, where we're going to cover some Parisian stories as well as some general European culture news and probably about refugees, let's be honest. We're always talking about refugees on the show. Today on Before Coffee, Syrian refugee deported from Greece loses case against EU border agency.
1: And. And out of these news on Weird Wednesday, somebody smashes a hole in the Great Wall of China. And in Paris, Paris fumigates
0: for tiger mosquitoes as tropical pest spreads across
1: Europe. Also, we spin the squeal of fortune to see who's gonna try to stay out of jail for DJT. And
0: in our European culture news, Julius Berger, expelled and
1: rediscovered. A Viennese composer returns. And on those headlines and more, on National Read-A-Book Day, September 6, 2023, before coffee. Let's
0: cover... Some European Union news about the Syrian refugee. This is from Lisa O'Carroll, the Brussels correspondent on The Guardian. Which we were just in Brussels two days ago. (laughs) A Syrian refugee has lost a landmark case against the EU's Border Protection Agency, Frontex, after he and his family were forcibly deported from Greece before his asylum application was processed. The ruling is seen as a major blow in efforts to make the operation of Frontex in Greece and other countries more transparent and accountable to the member states who employ them. The Syrian man and his wife and four small children made the perilous journey via people smugglers from war-torn Aleppo to Greece in 2016, but 11 days after making landfall, they were flown to Turkey by Frontex. The European Court of Justice dismissed his claim, noting that Frontex was not an agency responsible for asylum processes. Since Frontex does not have the power to assess the merits of return decisions or applications for internal protections, the EU agency cannot be held liable for any damages related to the return of those refugees to Turkey. The court in Luxembourg ruled. Ooh, we were just in Luxembourg, too. These these places are kicking out refugees like crazy. In 2016, the man and his family of young children, from one-year-old to a seven-year-old, arrived by boat on the Greek island of Milos. After being transferred to the island of Leros, they expressed their desire to lodge an application for international protection. However, after a joint return operation carried out by European border and coast guard agency Frontex and Greece, they were transferred to Turkey. From there, they went to Iraq, where they've resided ever since, the court noted. His case was brought by the Amsterdam lawyers Procon de Oliveira, and supported by the Dutch Council for Refugees. Aha! Plus points to the country I live in. Minus points to Belgium and Luxembourg. Oh
1: shit, bag.
0: Yeah, the campaign group BKB, Sea Watch, Legal Aid Fund, and Jungle Mine. So three different Dutch initiatives were like, this is messed up, man. You send them all the way to Iraq. All the way to Iraq. His case was bought by Amsterdam... Oh, sorry, we read that. They said he had been a victim of a pushback by the Greeks and they alleged that Frontex had breached the rules on asylum procedure and violated children's rights by separating the man and his wife from his family, including one-year-old baby during the flight to Turkey. Oh, yeah, just put this baby in a box, and I hope it arrives. On behalf of the... On his behalf, they sought 96,000 euros or 82,000 pounds in respect of material damage and 40,000 euros in respect of non-material damage on account of Frontex's alleged unlawful conduct before and during after the return operation. They took three years to get the documentary evidence of what happened from Frontex. Ah, that's a famous thing that they do to lawyers where they're like, here's 50 million paperwork you have to process, you are never ever gonna get this case done because you'll have to go through all those boxes. And three years later, you finally got through all the paperwork and we're dismissing it because Frontex is not applicable in this situation. You need to file this lawsuit under a different heading. Right?
1: Or you had to do it in triplicate.
0: Yeah. The court ruled that Frontex's task was to provide only technical and operational support to member states. So they need to sue Greece instead, (laughs) not Frontex. It is the member states alone that are competent to assess the merits of return decisions and to examine applications for international protection. Lisa Marie Comp, a lawyer with Praca de Oliveira, said that the case was significant even if the refugee lost his claim, as it exposed an accountability gap at Frontex. This will bring to view an accountability gap, in which Frontex cannot effectively be held to count for its actions. This, in this case, is a political action is needed, she said. The EU's institutions, as well as the member states, should be appalled by the prospect of what's going on and call a stop to it. It should also be, take responsibility and ensure pushbacks do not happen. However, up to now, pushbacks have been tolerated. This should no longer be the case in union based on the rule of law. Frontex is an agency with great power over the lives of individuals. Power should always be accompanied by accountability. I have the power to kick you out, but you can't arrest me for it, okay? In a statement, Proc and de Oliveira said Article 34 of the Frontex Regulation 2016 1624, stated that the agency was required to establish an effective mechanism to monitor the respect for fundamental rights in all activities at the agency. The ruling does not make clear what this means in practice. It remains unclear in what way Frontex is required to carry out its monitoring tasks. Tasks. The family are considering an appeal. And they really should because, yeah, somebody has to take the downfall for sending them all the way to Iraq.
1: Here's a story from Associated Press. I need my glasses to be a little bit left down on my nose okay here's a story from the Associated Press Great Wall of China has been pierced by Genghis Khan the Macus and now allegedly a couple of construction workers named Zhang and Wang who wanted a shortcut <laughs> authorities in China arrested two people for smashing a path through a section of the ancient wall a culture icon in the United Nations protected heritage site The area of the breach was broken-down section far from the restored segments most Chinese and foreign tourists are familiar with. The government of Yoyu County, hundreds of kilometers miles west of Beijing, showed a dirt road cut through a section of the wall across the rural landscape, along with two suspects identified as 38-year-old surnamed Zhang and 55-year-old woman surnamed Wang. The pair wanted a shorter route for some construction work they were doing in nearby towns, the government report said. The section lies in Shaanxi province at the western extreme of the wall, parts of which was constructed 2,000 years ago. It's relatively well-preserved and holds important preservation and research value, the local government said. Chinese places immense pride in the system of towers and connecting walls wide enough for carriages to pass and stretch approximately 8,000, 850 kilometers or 5500 miles built mainly during the Ming dynasty that lasted until 19 or 1644 not 1964 oh, yeah, 1964 yeah right in that year manchu tribes people from the north overcame china's defenses and took over the empire as the qing dynasty or the Qig dynasty, qing dynasty q i n g Kig? Kig? Uh,
0: Q's are uh, S-H sound.
1: Shig Dynasty? Shig Dynasty. Well then. The wall was subsequently abandoned and plundered for bricks and stones by local villagers, only to be revived as a communist government symbol of patriotism, mass mobilization, and resistance outside pressure. The Yoyu County government said the arrests were made after a report of the breach was received on August 24th. They said that the two suspects were in custody and further legal action pending. In its citation of the Great Wall, UNESCO described it as reflecting the collision of exchanges between agricultural civilizations and nomadic civilizations in ancient China. It provides significant physical evidence of the far-sighted political strategic thinking of the mighty military and national defense forces of central empires of ancient China. It is an outstanding example of suburban military architecture and the art of ancient China, the citation says. But we got a couple of people in a land mover busting a wall in it to get to work quicker. All right, your story.
0: We're in Paris, so now let's talk about Paris. The one of the news articles I saw on the France twenty four website is about mosquitoes right those little buggers that should not exist and really should just be eradicated nobody will care if all the mosquitoes went extinct no one's gonna care
1: they suppressed the human population <laughs> just like viruses. exactly yeah.
0: health authorities in Paris fumigated areas of the French capital for the first time on Thursday to kill disease-carrying tiger mosquitoes whose rapid advance throughout northern Europe is thought to have been accelerated by climate change yeah no kidding the warmer it gets the more likely you'll get malaria Start getting those malaria shots. Roads were closed and people asked to stay in their homes in the southeast Paris during the early hours of Thursday, as pest control contractors sprayed insecticide in trees, green spaces, and other mosquito breeding areas. Such scenes are a regular occurrence in tropical cities and becoming increasingly common in Europe as the tiger mosquito, which can carry the dengue, chikagunya, and zika viruses, spreads from native southeast Asia. It was first in Paris, but it's not the first in France. Deputy Paris Mayor Anne Soris, who is the charge of health policy, told the BFM television. The south of France has been affected by tiger mosquitoes mosquitoes for some years. It's also very warm down in south France. That's where, by Spain, basically. The regional health body for the capital, ARS Le De France, said that the area targeted for fumigation was 150 meters or 500 feet around the home of a person in the 13th district of the capital who had contracted dengue fever while traveling. These operations are being carried out to reduce the risk of transmission of dengue after a case was detected, it said. A second fumigation operation has been planned overnight Thursday, Friday in Colombs suburb southeast of central Paris after a second person fell sick with dengue fever after turning from a foreign trip. Okay, we need to make sure that we do not get bit by mosquitoes while we're here. All right. It's probably already spread. This is last Thursday. It's almost been a week. There's probably a thousand cases now.
1: Just, if you get bit, just amputate that. Like. Exactly.
0: Okay. Put put bleach in your, your veins. Uh. Take, a,
1: take a bath and uh, sulfuric
0: acid. Yeah. See, the 30s are trying to prevent a chain of transmission developing in the Paris region, which is home to an estimated 12 million people. Uh-huh. If a tiger mosquito stings a person who has imported a virus from abroad, it then becomes carrier for the disease. The tiger mosquito, also known as the Aedes albopictus albopictus, al- al- arrived in southern Europe in the first decade of the century and has been pushed rapidly north ever since, establishing itself in France, Germany, and Switzerland.
1: I'll try to push a mosquito? Not
0: easy. Yeah, no. Health experts say it has thrived on the continent in part because of climate change, with warmer weather shortening the incubation period for its eggs, while winters are no longer cold enough to kill them off. That explains why I was getting bit by mosquitoes. In frickin' January. I was like, oh. the hell is going on here? After the first spot.
1: Gotta be enough to kill him,
0: yeah. yeah. After first being spotted in France in 2004, it is now present in 71 of its 96 departments on the mainland, or I guess counties for Americans out there. Mm-hmm. Even in areas close to the Northern Channel coast, according to Health Ministry data. People are encouraged to report sightings with a special website collecting evidence. We are considered that this risk is going to get bigger. Marie Claire Patti, head of the Vector-Borne Disease Monitoring Unit at the Public Health Body Santé Publique, told AFP in April, dengue and chikungunya have similar symptoms of fever, cramps, headaches, and both can have serious complications with chikungunya affecting the nervous system and dengue fever sometimes causing hemorrhaging. Just random hemorrhaging, okay. Zika often causes no symptoms in the affected people, but the virus can be dangerous for fetuses and cause severe brain problems and malformations in children. Yeah, I remember because it was in America, because we also have tiger mosquitoes. Yeah, those are the only mosquitoes I can catch because they have those stripes, so I can catch them. But we also had the other virus they that they were spreading. Nile virus. Yeah, West Nile. Andrea Amon, director of EU's European Center for Disease Prevention and Control, or the ECDPC, said in June that if the spread of the tiger mosquito continues, we can expect to see more cases of po- and possibly deaths from mosquito-borne diseases. France had 65 locally acquired cases of dengue in 2022, according to ECDPC. So, yeah, we're going to be careful. I might, might go get some mosquito repellent freaking out the store now because i did not know this but i'm glad i read it so now i know i need to watch out for mosquitoes fun fact the netherlands was not mentioned in the article so we've always been spraying for mosquitoes i guess and i live in the country too so Mm -hmm. that is dangerous mosquitoes
1: in other news not a whole lot of new on the donald trump front today except for the squeal of fortune okay and we're gonna give it a spin and here we go see where she runs up she's a spinning and the winner is David Schaefer. Okay, let me look him up. David Schaefer is a co-defendant. Eyes plan to save him from financial ruin. This is from Nick Mordowanic from Newsweek. David Schaefer, a formerly a longtime Georgia state senator and head of the state's Republican Party, says advertising revenue from X, formerly Twitter, is helping pay legal bills associated with his indictment. Schaefer is one of 19 individuals, including former President Donald Trump, indicted last month for allegedly attempting to overturn the results of the 2020 election. Schaefer from Georgia... GOP Chairman Sean Still and Kathleen Alston Latham are—we we covered her a little while ago—being uh, be, uh, a, among a group of fake electors who attempted to alter the state's razor-thin results in favor of Trump. Those indicted face 41 total counts, including racketeering charges, violating the oath of public officer, perjury, forgery, false statements, and a slew of other offenses. Twitter has monetized my account; is not sharing my advertising revenue with me. God. It, Elon Musk is a piece of crap. Schaefer wrote on next Monday, Every time you like, share, or reply to one of my posts, you help fund my legal defense. Please don't let me down, trolls. You clever President jokes could save me from financial ruin. So anybody just commenting is going to raise money for him. So block him. Block him. Block and block and block him! Don't even think about looking at his page. The platform users can monetize their content in multiple ways, including through posts, videos, or spaces. Schaefer's blue checked account has nearly 66,000 followers, probably all of them fake. The former, well, a majority of them, I would say, the former state party chair who was elected in 2019 is also raising defense fund directly through the state GOP as well as through the crowdfunding site Give, Send, Go. Newsweek reached out to the Georgia Republican Party via email for comment. Janie Beth Martin, who co-founded the Tea Party Patriots in 2009 as part of the wider Tea Party movement, has called the Fulton County indictment a hey, witch hunt, and is helping Schaefer and other conservatives fight charges in the disgraceful Georgia League system. Well, if it's a witch hunt, they have plenty of witches. The Give, Send, Go fundraiser she set up for Schaefer had as of Tuesday morning raise over $20,300. David Schaefer is one of the heroes of crowdfunding campaigns, states. He courageously spoke out against the weakening of historic collection safeguards. The prosecution is an assault on the First Amendment, blah blah blah, 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 Something about that. David Schaefer's Schaefer exercises constitutional right to petition the government for redress and grievances, and now he's being punished. This is like defense attorney stuff. We must stand with patriots like David because it would be you or me next. Yeah, okay. No, it ain't gonna be me next, because I don't go around trying to reverse elections. Harrison Floyd, leader of the group of black voices for Trump, who supported to win the win of Georgia in 2020, is among those indicted. His crowdfunding campaign on give so as give send go has raised nearly twenty dollars near ninety-six thousand as of Tuesday morning. Other past campaigns in the size of raised funds for conservatives like MyPillow, CEO Mike Lindell, and Kyle Rittenhouse. They're really proud of that, huh? Lisa, Lisa Parshall, a political science professor at Damien University, told Newsweek that Georgia case is the most problematic for Trump due to the number of defendants. The bigger cast of characters combined with more wide-ranging charges presents more of an opportunity for defenses to fall apart and co defendants legal interests interest to diverge in conflict, according to Parshall. It's almost impossible to see how the pending legal cases will play out. But the stage is certainly set for legal interests of multi-defendants to diverge in ways that may be damning for Trump it is not it's not just a potential for flipping it's also just the reality that the testimony of his co-defendants had given a will may give undermine Trump's best defense so yes this guy is probably gonna flip whether he's got a lawyer or a lot $20,000 seems like a light kind of light for his legal defense so who knows and that's
0: the story in culture news Life itself writes the most incredible stories. This sentence, often heard or read, is especially true for this special concert. The RSO, under the direction of Gottfried Wabbel, performed works by Julius Berger, 1897 to 1995, for the Austrian premiere on August 18, 2023, in the large broadcasting hall of the ORF, Radio Culture House. And it came 18 years after the Jewish composer died in New York at the age of 98. Ooh, he's a small little boy. Hmm. I don't know if you can see it. He's a small little man wow. at the piano.
1: Little guy. Yeah, he's little.
0: Like he's a, smaller than me. Like uh,
1: Tina Faye's husband. Yeah. He's a composer and he's really tiny.
0: It's <laughs> so, so he can fit in his piano. That Pete. Pi- That the pieces were able to be heard at all was thanks to the shrewd actions of Ronland S. Pohl, a New York estate attorney. He had been hired by Berger in 1989 to administer the estate of his wife Rose, who had died shortly before, and to give most of the money to young Israeli musicians. Not yet knowing that Julius Berger had a remarkable compositional oeuvre to his credit, Paul asked him whether, due to his advanced age, he might not want to tackle his estate in time, which turned out to be a stroke of luck. Berger, born and raised in Vienna, had moved to Berlin as a young man with fellow students and his composition teacher, Franz Schreiker, and thereafter commuted between London, Paris, Berlin, and Vienna. Hitler's invasion of Austria, however, alarmed him so much that he was able to emigrate to America with his wife in time. There he received American citizenship, worked at the Metropolitan Opera, but also for radio and television stations as a conductor, arranger, and commissioned composer without, however, completely abandoning his own independent compositional activity. So that's right, he has some, he has some secret pieces while he was making the, you know, the popular stuff. He was also making his own music. That's pretty cool. Fortunately, Berger had found a man of action in pole. He pulled out all the stops to fulfill his clan's wish to hear his Cello Concerto from 1932, which was first performed in 1952 and had not been heard since 1991, once again. Pohl's efforts were successful. After performances in the US, it was also played in Israel by those musicians who had received scholarships from Rose Berger. Only after contact was made with Gerald Gruber, director of the Exaggerate Center for Band Music at the MDW, and Julius Berger's musical estate was brought to Vienna, was it possible to perform a concert of works by him here as well. If Pohl had not met with the composer, one may assume with great certainty that his works, which were all collected in a small piece of furniture, would have been disposed of after his death when the apartment was vacated. The range of works heard in Vienna was rich. The opening was Adalgo from the String Orchestra from 1978, which was then only the only work he had ever performed in Austria. Flowing gently, it darkened briefly every now and then exposed more dramatic material. I don't want to go into the entire poetry of the night. It's really long. It's a really long, like, oh, it was beautiful. Oh. But we're going to go with congratulations to... Um, Berger from, and I'm, I'm sure he was only banned because he was Jewish, was right? Yeah. He wasn't banned because his music were, was saying anything bad. It was just like, ew, a Jewish guy made this. Throw it in the trash. Yep. So, and sometimes all those small little composers, and he is literally small, right. uh, get completely ignored by history. And, right. you know, nobody even remembers that he was banned because he was Jewish. They are just like, who's this guy? He's banned for some reason. Oh.
1: Or worse, they get plagiarized and never get credit. Yeah, exactly. Somebody heard their stuff and just
0: it. So it was, I'm really happy for Berger to be finally heard in Vienna. Maybe I'll look up some of his works later.
1: All right. This day in history, September 6th. The short one today. Well, not not this part. 1792, French Revolutionary leader Georges Danton was elected deputy for the Paris to the National Convention on this day. In 1860, American social reformer and pacifist Jane Addams, co-winner of the National Uh, of the Nobel Prize for Peace in 1931 was born. Happy birthday, Jane Addams. 1914, French and British forces launched an offensive against the advancing Germans in the first battle of the Marne during World War I. So we're in the right place for that. 1944, Germany fired the first long-range V-2 missile at an allied target during World War II. In 1956, South African Prime Minister Hendrik Verward who rigorously developed and applied the policy of apartheid, was stabbed to death by a temporary parliamentary messenger who was later ruled insane. Oh, good for him. (laughs) So, apartheid, what a bunch of creeps. The Soviet Union recognized the independence of the Baltic states, Estonia, Latvia, and Lithuania on this day in 1991. In 1995, American professional baseball player Cal Rickman played in his 2,131st consecutive game, surpassing Lou Gehrig's record, which had stood more than 56 years, which everybody who's ever gone to work and never missed a day just went, Yawn, <laughs> you play a game and you only work three hours a day. 1997. About a week after her death in a car accident, the funeral was held for Princess Diana. An estimated $2.5 watched a television ceremony, which included a performance by Elton John. In 2007, Luciano Pavarotti, opera singer, died at the age of 71. In 2019, Zimbabwe president Robert Mugabe, who was a longtime ruler of Zimbabwe, died at the age of 95. And our featured event was... 1901, U.S. President William McKinley fatally shot. Yes, Republican William McKinley, the 25th President of the United States, was shot in this day in 1901 by Leon Charles Goss, an anarchist of the Pan American Expedition in Buffalo, New York, and died eight days later.
0: The The forgotten assassination. Nobody ever talks about him.
1: They talk about him in the the fact that Teddy Roosevelt became president after that. Oh,
0: yeah, but I'm just saying nobody, everyone talks about
1: mm-hmm. Abraham and yeah, McKinley, who famously started the Spanish-American War. And uh, feature biography. Um, September fifth, seventeen sixty-six is the birthday of John Dalton, British scientist. It's also the birthday, of 1963, of Gert Wilders, Dutch politician. Hirt you know, Hirt Wilders.
0: Hert
1: Wilders. Hilt Hirt Wilders, Dutch politician. You know him first Also the birthday of Chris Christie, who I pronounced his name right. American politician. And 1954, Carly Fioroni. Fiorina was born, American business executive and politician. Oh, she ran for president a couple years ago. Kurt
0: Wilders is our Trump, by the
1: way. Oh, God.
0: Yeah. So it's not.
1: Our Trump anymore. is worse. I don't Joseph know. P. Kennedy was born in this day, JFK's father. He's born in this 18, 1888, and we already covered Jane Addams. And what day is it? It's only two days. It's only two days today. It is National Read a Book Day, which we covered, and it's National Coffee Ice Cream Day. And if you like coffee and ice cream, have them both together. Hell yeah. That's it.
0: All right, this has been Allison here from Paris. We're going to go find that coffee and ice cream, and we're going to get super sugar high. we're going to be running all over the streets of Paris as we climb the Eiffel Tower like, like a monkey. <laughs> like a monkey. <laughs>
1: and this is Roger, signing off from France, where it's really, really hot here in Paris. And we're just about to go climb the Eiffel Tower, just like a giant monkey. And September 5th, wait, September 6th, 2023 edition of Before Coffee.